This morning's epistle lesson comes to us from 1 Corinthians 12, 13 to 26. For in the one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot would say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make any less part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those members of the body that we think less honorable, we clothe with greater honor. And our less respectable members are treated with greater respect, whereas our more respectable members do not need this. <clears throat> but God has so arranged the body, giving the greater honor to the inferior member, that there be no dissension upon the body. But the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. And in Luke 13, 10 through 17. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And just then appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and was quite unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. When he laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, there are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured, not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, you hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to give it water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, who Satan bound for 18 long years, be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day? When he said all this, all his opponents were put to shame, and the entire crowd was rejoicing at all the wonderful things that he was doing. My friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I was going through Facebook the other day, 
and something caught my eye. Herb, are you listening? All right. It was a post by a group that calls themselves the Rescued Film Project. Rescued Film Project. And what they do is they look for old film that is still in cameras or in somebody's home, in somebody's garage, somebody's estate, somebody's kitchen drawer that has been forgotten about. And they develop that film and they put it on their website because they believe they are pieces of history that no one has ever seen yet. They were captured. They were taken. It meant something to the photographer at the time, but, but they've been lost. So, so they're now developed by this guy. It, just a few weeks back, came across 31 rolls of film from World War II. A soldier had taken a bunch of pictures, and it was in black and white film. The, the pictures revealed elements in time almost 80 years ago. But no one has ever seen these pictures except the photographer. And it struck me, it struck me, what a cool idea. What a cool idea to take these rolls of film and just kind of post them. And I studied and I went through the images just to see these soldiers lining up, going to war, some coming back, some in battle. It was fascinating to me. And I got to thinking about the process of photography. There is something in photography that's called the latent image. Do I have that right? All right. The latent image. The latent image is a piece of photographic film. That's what they used to call it long time ago, kids. Before iPhones and digital cameras. So this, 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 this gelatin would, would be exposed to light on the film, and the film is essentially hardened gelatin with a thin layer of chemical called silver bromide on it. Did I do my, my okay, all right. And, it, and the light excites the silver bromide up so that the clumps together in the areas that the light was exposed the film, you get a picture. And it does nothing with the areas that were unexposed by the light so that when you put it through the chemical process, the latent image is seen. Aren't you thankful for iPhones and digital cameras? Latent means it's there, but it's unseen. So essentially, in all these photographic rolls, these 31 rolls were found by this modern photographer of an 80-year-old piece of history, piece of film. What you had left was a roll of latent images. They were there, but undeveloped and therefore unseen. And he's in the process of discovering all of them, developing them and showing them. And so what got my attention, and the reason I'm explaining this, is that essentially that's what Jesus does. You and I are stamped in creation with the image of God. The image gets obscured until we're born into the body of Christ. We're, in a sense, born again. The latent image is there, but unrevealed. It's, it's developed it's, and shown by Jesus Christ. We become a showcase. We become, we become his hyothesia, or adopted children, as Paul says in Ephesians. He comes and finds us and then calls us to him. 
And so Jesus was in the business of finding people. We see it throughout the New Testament all the time. Stamped with the image of God, the image has been obscured. He sets them and us free. He, he heals them. He develops them. And then he showcases them in his parables and in his stories and his healings. And every time he does it, people ooh and ah and, and glorify God in a much greater way than I did when I saw those images on my computer. Wow, that's, that's awesome. Check out the Coca-Cola truck. Look at the soldiers. They look so young. You know, I'm, I'm looking at all these things from 80 years past, and people marveled at what the latent image was now developed and showcased. But in a text today, not everybody was excited. Not everybody was excited. Some people, you would think, would just go crazy when they saw a healing or a restoration take place. They were, they were, there were some people so bound by their background, so bound by their tradition, by their spiritual upbringing, by their laws, that they just couldn't stand what Jesus was doing. That he was doing in the lives of the people. I've long marveled that so often in the New Testament, Jesus comes unglued unglued with religious people and is much more welcoming to the harlot, the thief, the tax collectors and sinners, to the people that nobody touched. He embraced them. He loved them. He, he developed them. He showcased them. He lifted them up. By the way, it, this is the last time, the last recorded time, at least in the Gospel of Luke, where Jesus visits a synagogue. He's marching towards Jerusalem. He would always go to the synagogue on the Sabbath. He finds this woman who had a spirit of infirmity over 18 years and was bent over. Can you imagine? Bent over and in no way could raise herself up. This woman had some sort of degenerative spinal condition. They call it kyphosis, like spinal stenosis or scoliosis that caused her to be bent over. And it gets worse with time, because as you stand up the pain, so you just keep going down and down. However, what physiological reasons were for her bent condition, those were secondary, because we are told by Jesus in verse 16 that she had been bound by the devil for those years. So the physical manifestation eventually then was secondary to the work that Satan had done in her life. He brings that out. But I find it fascinating that in the synagogue on the Sabbath day was a woman who had suffered for 18 years. 18 years, and she's in church. I wonder, wonder how many of us would suffer chronically for 18 years, bent over and unable to stand up. Would we be coming to church? Would we not find an excuse not to be in fellowship? I'm having a bad day of suffering and I'm really bent over. I can't make it. And keep in mind, keep in mind that they didn't have cars back then. They didn't have public transportation. They had to walk places. 
perhaps even ride a donkey. Can you imagine riding a donkey? So eventually, here's a woman in the synagogue who is not found in her heart to be resentful for her condition before God. She's not saying, how could a God of love allow this to happen to me? I'm not going to the synagogue anymore. She, she's in the synagogue worshiping with the rest of the crowd. And Jesus saw her. And he called her to him. Now, I find the little things that get my attention these days in the text. Why, why didn't Jesus, seeing her bent over condition, go over to her? Jesus saw her and called her to come to him. I think he's, he's getting her to exercise her faith yet one more time, calling her to do something more. He calls her. He summons her to him and said, Woman, you, you are set free from your ailment. And he laid his hands on her. And immediately, immediately, not just a few minutes, immediately she was made straight and glorified God. You, you could just get the picture, don't you? She glorified God. And I'm sure everybody else did. 18 years, can you imagine? 18 years of macular degeneration and almost blind and being able to see. 18 years of arthritis and being able to move with no pain. 18 years of organ disease and it just disappears. The cancer in your body, gone in an instant. These things go away. Not only would you rejoice and glorify God, so would we. Because as it says in Corinthians 12, 26, when one suffers, we all suffer. When one rejoices, we all rejoice. That's the connection that we all have as members of the body of Christ. For it's in Christ we are set free. We can all demonstrate that love, that kindness, that compassion of Christ in treating each other, every person, regardless of their gender, their race, their status, their sexuality, their age, their size, as our fellow humans of equal worth, dignity, and respect. We, we need to love our neighbor and understand our neighbor's perspective. But the ruler of the synagogue, there's this ruler of the synagogue who answered with indignation. The Greek here is agnokan, agnokan, which indicates not, not, not even indignation, it's, it's extreme anger. He was, it, he was almost out of control. He was beyond offended because Jesus had healed and he said to the crowd, notice this, he said to the crowd, there are six days on which the work ought to be done. Come on, those days and be cured and not on the Sabbath day. I really don't know where to begin to make a comment on this. Can you imagine? You've had macular degeneration and you can't see for 18 years and some religious leader says, just wait till Monday. Your kidneys are failing for 18 years and you just have to wait just, just one more day. Heck, what's, what's one more day? Or what about the pain of the arthritis that you've been living with for 18 years? Well, one more day. Instead of rejoicing in her healing, he's resenting his hassle. 
He's been upset. He's been offended. This is a hassle for him because he didn't know what to do with something that happens like this on the Sabbath day. It just doesn't fit into his understanding of the oral tradition and the laws of Moses. When was the last time you saw a physical healing like this? Unless you've been hanging out with Jesus, you've never seen one probably. So you should be rejoicing in her healing. But no, he's resenting his hassle so much that he can't rejoice in her healing. The next thing, the next thing I think to notice is, as Jesus points out, the rabbis had laws and strong feelings about abusing animals. And that's a good thing, is it? However, do you, do you get the irony here? Here's a woman bound for 18 years. They would think nothing on the Sabbath to untie an animal from the stall, walking it out of the stall, go down the road, let it have some water, therefore doing work. That was permissible. But they were about a woman being healed on the Sabbath. It shows me they love animals more than they care about human beings. But lest you get too hard on the religious leader. Do you, know that, do you know that if you mess with an egg of an eagle, you can be charged with a felony, be put in jail for three to five years, and be fined up to $250,000. If you tamper with the egg, the potential legal problems are immense. But if you abuse your spouse, you pay up to a fine of $1,000 and serve a prison term of up to one year, and it carries a misdemeanor. A good attorney could get the charges reduced to lowered for no prison time, and maybe the fines changed to, and, and the charge changed to battery. Is not a human life at least as important as an animal? Jesus understood the human condition, and he understands our pain. When your hands are feeling fine, but your feet are in agony, you don't notice your hands, do you? Trust me, I twisted my ankle yesterday. I feel the pain. It's affecting everything. Even the words coming out of my mouth. We, we are single organisms. If one part hurts, the rest of the body suffers along with it. So it goes with the body of Christ. So it goes with us. When one of us hurts, we all hurt. Yet, when one of us rejoices, we all rejoice. We must. We must rejoice in God's goodness, in God's power, in God's glory, especially as God heals us and develops us and showcases us. That's what Jesus does for us. We are all in the body of Christ. When one rejoices, we all rejoice. When one hurts, we all hurt. Amen. Hello, this is Pastor Ken Goodrich, and I'm humbled that you took the time to listen to this podcast. I pray that the Holy Spirit moves you to ministry and that if you don't have a church home, that you are able to find one. Please feel free to tune in on Tuesdays at 10 a.m. and Wednesdays at 12.20 p.m. 
for our Bible studies, on Thursdays at 10 a.m. for our Learning Center courses, and of course on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. for our worship. Just go to fpclc.org to see all our various programs and events. Thanks again, and God bless you and keep you safe. May God embrace you and keep you in his countenance. Peace.